1: In today's episode of the Canon Podcast, join us as we break down the secret behind Arsenal's attack, analyse the evolution of Bukayo Saka, discuss Arsenal's potential big money forward signing, and analyse how Arsenal could win the Premier League title.
2: Yes, guys, welcome back to the Canon Podcast. We're here after a sensational victory at the Emirates Stadium six goals to nil. Now, I was lucky enough to be in the stadium, but you guys watched it on TV. Talk to me, George, six goals. How is the Arsenal attack evolving? You know, we, as as I saw in the first half, unfortunately, you know, it was very bad for me. We lost on field tilt. <laughs> so I wasn't happy with it. <laughs> I was sat there thinking, listen, man, this, is, this can't be. But five goals in the first Basically half, first lot. English side. Yeah, first English side in, in Champions League history to ever do so. So George, talk to me. How is the Arsenal attack evolving?
0: I don't know about evolving. I think we have to talk about kind of a different game state, you know, and we have to talk about um, the differences that we face on a regular basis versus what we may face in Europe. One thing I will say, though, it's the first time that we've seen that front five um, all season. We've seen that front line before. We've seen that midfield before, but never has that front five played together. And it's not as though that that's just a magic card to suddenly say that's what's needed to then spring open the attack. But it does kind of go to show you when we have our first choice 11, we have options. We have options to increase attacking fluidity, and it is an attacking lineup. Um, I don't think it's used for everybody. And ironically, it was a pretty brave call um, to use it against Lens. And I don't think that, um, you know, Lens for themselves, they're not just a technical team, they're very physical, and they have one of the best defensive records in Europe. So, to produce this kind of attacking performance against them is special. Um, I just think a lot of it has to do, um, you have to balance it kind of with, uh, on the day we were brilliant. You can't account for that sometimes. Sometimes, you know, your team performs brilliantly, and I think that's what really happened. We clicked, we got a lot of confidence in players. but then subsequently, we also didn't face the same kind of spatial restrictions that we find in the, in the Premier League. That's just a fact. I mean, Arsenal faced the deepest lines in Europe's top five leagues. Um, and we know that because on average, we face deeper blocks in the Premier League more consistently. And I had a really uh, kind of sarcastic tweet out on X that said, you know, this is why people play deep lines against Arsenal because you and you do give Arsenal space. They're able to rip through you. And I remember on the watch along, I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this. I kind of proposed the question, are Arsenal the best transition team in the world? Um, That's something that I've been debating with for a while. I feel like we haven't got the sample to really sit there and say yes or no quite yet. But when we go and we're able to see what these front three can do when they're in form, they're fit. Um, I think I can't really think of many front lines bar mean? maybe Holland and Doku. you mean the uh, instant community. reaction? Sorry? You're such, you're, yeah.
1: You're such an old man.
2: <laughs> <a> watch long.
1: <laughs> yeah. We can do a watch log. <laughs> but, <laughs> one, of, one, of, one of your young people's technology. Yes.
0: <laughs> the weird part is like, I don't think I'm that much older, but still uh, it goes to the point, old man. But still, I, I, I do question, um, are we the best transition team? In the Uh, world, Um, I I find Doku Holland are suitable kind of kind of contrarian answers if you want to if you want to say that I don't know about Liverpool, Um, for all their attacking prowess in terms of transition, I think that they're a lot more controlled this season. And I would argue that our outlets are more dangerous, more efficient and more clinical this season than theirs have been. So uh, I struggle to find very many front lines that are as efficient as, as us. And it really stands well. In the Champions League, if you can start saying you're one of the better, well, you're one of the best out of possession teams, but then you're one of the better transition teams in the competition. Those are ingredients for success there.
2: I think so. And um, I did see a few comments, actually, in in that watch along, let's just say, um, saying that, you know, maybe they don't agree that we are the best. And it's because we're not put in that scenario enough. Because we're playing so many deep blocks, and our fans are used to seeing us play against you know, very deep defenses, so we're not used to seeing our counter-attacking potential. But in all three of our Champions League games, especially at home, there's that 12 goals scored. You know, four against PSV, who are a very good team, two against Sevilla, and now six against Lens. Um, I did find it intriguing, though, being inside the stadium. You know, the Lens fans are very, very hectic. Um, they were—I don't know if you saw, if you guys saw this—but they were throwing flares yeah. at the Arsenal crowd. They're doing this. The they were like
1: waving. What, what's the word? Like swaying side to side as well.
2: Yeah, so it might have cut off on TV, but you do, I think when Martinelli scored, he literally went straight over to them. Even Jesus went over to them as well. But from the Martinelli goal, you had Zinchenko pulling him back. I just like the way that Arsenal kind of dealt with that. You know, in a sense of the fans were kind of angering them, but they took it out on the pitch and kept scoring goals. There's a sense of swagger in the Arsenal attack. It was the first time that we'd seen one of you know Mikel Arteta's the Havertz early guard with a Jesus Martinelli Saka front three. Alex, how impressed were you?
1: Yeah, it was was amazing i think the one thing i'd say is like i look back at the psv game and i think because we didn't know what to expect it was exciting but it was also a surprise but with this game because we kind of expected maybe because of the game in in france we were kind of all expecting a bit of a harder game i think i I, certainly i was expecting maybe a you know a lucky not lucky win but you know a two two nil maybe two one like a you know a lot closer margins so to go and do that was was a really really nice nice feeling to sort of blow those expectations out the water where we hadn't had them at, for, for psv um yeah I was I was really impressed Look, I think there's some games as I say that are that are system games and are games that you want to worry about okay well how are we also going to break down low blocks as we're probably going to speak about later of course um and various things like that but I think this was a game for the individuals this was a game where we sat with our front let's call them our front six if we're including Declan Rice the first time i believe uh, for rice habits odegaard uh, Saka, jesus uh, martinelli to play together and to show the quality in the end you know if, if we removed all the managers nine times out of ten if you put the best players on the pitch they're gonna they're gonna do the business for you and that's what we have when we can get our best players on the pitch put them closer together put them in a structure that works they can show you their individual quality and that's what was so so exciting about yesterday Look, you know, I don't know whether again we're going to talk about it later, but Saka in terms of the the numbers that he has being the highest in Europe for goals and assists in the Champions League so far this season. Martinelli showing the the footwork that he did, Jesus the sharpness. I said um, I said on our watch along that um, uh, I think there's probably there's a there's a there's a decent argument that in the Emirates era, I think Jesus is one of our top five players. I think on his day when he's fit and he's and he can lift our attack to the level that we know he can. He is in that Sanchez bracket. He is in that RVP bracket. He is he is unplayable at times, um, and yeah, I was. I was. It was just. It was. It felt like old Arsenal. It felt like old Arsenal. It felt like sort of Wenger era when we we're popping it round teams and, and and spanking them, you know, uh, on our best days. But with the added solidity that, that Arteta brought us,
2: it's been a theme in most of our Champions League games that we play very attractive football, mm. and it's very. It's almost like a reminder each and every time that when fans think we play very boring football. No, we can still play very yeah. exciting football when given space and opportunity. And George, this felt like a statement from Arsenal, another one, saying, listen, man, if you give us any sort of space, we're going to rip you apart. And, you know, almost with all the questions about Arsenal in the league and not being fluid in, in, in attack, that's not a question in the Champions League. So that I think the question now becomes, we've qualified, top of the group, we're in the last 16. We've seen the potential position as it stands. Things can change, though, but it could be a bit technical, maybe a PSG potentially, if in a second. So how far do you think Arsenal can go in the Champions League? And do you think it's possible with Wembley in June? You know, we might be there.
0: (laughs) We would be there. There we go. Um, (laughs) I I think uh, I've been very high on the potential of this team, ironically, in the Champions League and the Cup competitions for the two things that we've talked about before in terms of the out of possession quality and the transition threat. That's really important in the Champions League and especially in one-off games. And then when you start to factor in the idea that Arsenal will be getting more space in these games, um, kind of talked about it on the watch along, uh, that, uh, you know, teams like Madrid, Bayern, um, they aren't going to sit in a low block. They aren't going to be afraid. Big teams meet each other at the halfway line, I like to call it, and they will go at each other. And so the the idea that this space will go away is not true as the competition progresses. You're going to get the same amount of space, potentially more, um, because big teams will have periods of domination against you. We will be forced into a block of our own at times, and there will be space in order to counter. And so I've always felt like we're one of the uh, teams that can win it. This year, I've always said that. I said that the minimum expectation was a semifinal for me. I do acknowledge, on the other hand, how poor our European record is as a club, not just in this team with Mikel Arteta, by the way, who himself hasn't had the most sterling European reputation, even with his time with us. And of course, there's mitigating factors, but still on the whole, I still think that we've exited competitions against teams we shouldn't have. um, And we had the quality to beat them. And then as a club, we just haven't got over the line in Europe, even with our best teams. Um, And so, uh, you know, Freddie Yumberg was just on... um, sky sports talking about how it's one of the biggest regrets of his life and i would tend to agree that team that invincible team should have won the champions league um so keeping that in mind i'm willing to temper this idea that we shouldn't be able to go and win it the first season but on the other hand i'm not going to sit there and not talk about the quality that arsenal have and they are one of the teams that can win it in this competition and for me they're certainly top four and they're certainly they're certainly worth a final whether we get there it starts to become intangibles past the semifinal mark, in my opinion. Like all those logic about quality, who should win, kind of goes out the window in those big moments. And factually, this young team, very young team, and of course the debut campaign for Mikel Arteta in the Champions League, there's a lot of factors that have to go right for you to ultimately get that prize. But quality-wise, Babs mate, like there's no question in my mind that we are one of the most threatening in the competition. And we did send a statement, by the way. We set a Champions League record. We are the first team to score five goals unanswered in the first half of a Champions League night. That, that means something. And, you know, it doesn't mean that we're suddenly the most attacking team and that we're suddenly the team that's going to win it. But it certainly sets a marker and it does announce ourselves to Europe. Certainly. I think we've announced ourselves domestically for quite a while. We've been quite good domestically, but in terms of Europe and European pedigree, um, I would argue that we've really done well to do that because Lens aren't a small team. They aren't a team that you would just assume a 5-0 like a Copenhagen respectfully um, or or, or something along those lines. They are a very respectable team in France with, again, one of the best defensive records in Europe. So you don't expect to go nuts on them, Uh, you know, so... It, it was a brilliant night. And, and I do, I will say, I think that we have the potential to win it, whether we do or not, up in the air, but semi-final minimum.
2: It feels like almost that our young players have a massive point to prove. Saka being one, obviously, but even the likes of Saliba and Martinelli. I think Martinelli's not got a goal, and, or a goal involvement in all three of his appearances as well. Jesus is, you know, honestly, in the Champions League like r nine. And that's just you pretty early because on? I don't go, think nine... More goals. Yeah, I don't think our nines have actually won the Champions League. He scored so, more
1: Champions League goals than R9 and Ronaldinho.
2: It seems like Arteta's entire team and let's not even forget about Declan Rice for example I mean that guy is he's crazy but it feels like Arsenal's team is kind of built for a Champions League because we can play in a deep block we can counter attack we can sustain pressure there's, there's not much Arsenal can't do especially when you give us space so Alex if we were to face like a Bayern PSG, Real there's heritage teams in the Champions League how would you think Arsenal would cope? Heritage
1: yeah, I, I I'm really looking forward to it, to be honest. And I actually said this to someone earlier. You know, I think there's a temptation to go, ah, oh, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have a sort of an easy route to the final? Not really. Like actually, to be honest, I like okay, sure, it would be nice, but we, we're going to meet them in the end eventually anyway. So I, I think I'd rather meet them sooner and understand more about the team sooner rather than later. Um, I think I think I, I want to go back to a point that George made earlier in terms of teams meeting each other further up the pitch um I'm really I'm really comfortable with coming up against the Bayern or Real Madrid and whatever because we say those names and they conjure images right you know you when you say a Bayern or Real Madrid you just think about the club the stature the whatever you don't think about the team as it is as we sit here right now and you know I look at Real Madrid and they clearly have some absolutely fantastic players but do I look at Furlan Mendy and fancy Saka against him absolutely do I look at you know? Rodrigo and Vinny and think you know fantastic fantastic players but could do I trust that Saliba maybe and and Ben White whoever comes up against them has you know at least a match for them absolutely we are at that level it's just a case of going okay can we go into those games with that without that sort of monkey on our back going right you know oh god we're the small team we're the one who's really gonna have to play up here no 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 at home Get the light show out, get the crowd going. Like we could really, really match these teams. And I think the point that George makes in terms of the actual tactical side of the game, there's going to be spaces on the pitch for us to exploit. Now there's some un- unbelievable individual quality, but as I say, do I do I trust our defence? What more do I need to trust our defence? Like, what what more? What more evidence do you require to trust that William Saliba, Gabriel Zinchenko, Tommy Yasu last night it was fantastic? What more quali- what more qualities do they need to show to prove to you by being the best defense in the best league in the world that they are ready to go and challenge those players? I think a lot of, a lot of what happens is we go oh Bayern, uh, Schweinsteiger, Oliver Kahn like we think like that rather than going actually what's who's in their team right now? Mm-hmm. What are those individual matchups and can we do that? And I think we can
0: with Timber and yeah, Arte also, yet to return to like, the yeah, supposed yeah, defense. Yeah, things couch things will get better.
2: It feels like as and well, like Cedric. our fans. Have, I mean,
0: like we've yeah, done this all in
2: general. This. We like to make things dramatic because we have done it before as well. Not just with the big teams, but like Crystal Palace away. Oh my God, it's sell us park away under the lights. Everton away. Like our fans, because of our pain over the last ten years, it's just become accustomed to us. It's a mm. like habit we've created. It's annoying habit as well. But I think we're slowly getting out of it, and we're you know going into games like Man City, etc., and going, no, no, we can win this game with confidence, with chess. because mm. our team has something serious about it, and it's got a very serious player. Like we're talking a very serious player. Some would say world class. Bukayo Saka, six or seven. Say
0: it's world class. I'm so Seven sick goal tired contributions. Of
2: that yeah, seven goal contributions. To his first five ever Champions League appearances. They were questioning, or oh, he can't be world class because he's not done in the Champions League. And Now they're saying, or oh, Lens, PSV, and Sevilla are Europa League teams. Apparently, <laughs> um, so still he hasn't done it in the Champions League. Apparently, I mean he's the highest goal contributor in the Champions League, but he's not done it in the Champions League. George is um, <laughs> And, then, <laughs> and they said he couldn't get in the World Cup. He started, I think he had three goal contributions, England's highest contributor at the World Cup. But when he was taken off against France, the commenters literally said, like, oh my god, why are they taking him off? He's their best player. Um at Euros, he was you know one of the man of the match players at what, like 18, 19 years of age. Premier League we've seen him do it as well. I mean, Alex, because I know George actually we'll go to George, because I know George was to defend him. Defend Bukayo for me. Why do people, and I'm talking mainly here, less Arsenal fans and people outside of Arsenal, still think Bukayo or reluctant to say Bukayo is world class?
1: Thanks for checking out the Canon Podcast. To hear the full episode, sign up as a YouTube member on this channel or go to patreon.com forward slash the Canon Pod.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.